Thank you, Curtis, for reading the Scripture lesson for this morning. And we'll be actually referring back to that passage a little later on in the message. Uh, If you have your Bible with you and you'd like to follow along as I read, we're going to focus on Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 11 today. Mark 11, verses 1 through 11. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of His disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord needs it and He'll send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, What are you doing untying the colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus, and they, brought their, they threw their cloaks over it, He sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything But since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Jesus' baptism inaugurated his public ministry or his mission. Today we're talking about the mission of Jesus. He said, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. In Matthew 4, verse 15. Within the first year of Jesus' public ministry, He went to His hometown of Nazareth. And as Luke 4 records, He went into the synagogue and stood up to read a passage of Scripture from the scroll of Isaiah the prophet. Here, as recorded in Scripture, He communicates His purpose or His Mission. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he, he, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down as a rabbi would. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. But as you know, many who heard this tried to run him out of town. In fact, they tried to throw him off a cliff and they were unsuccessful. Jesus went right through all of the people unscathed. 
Jesus' mission was and is through His church to bring good news to all people. This good news was not just about one's physical life, but about one's eternal life. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And the word that is translated life in this passage of John 10.10 is the zoe life. The Greek word that has to do with the fullness of life here on earth as well as the fullness of life hereafter with God in eternity. It's different from the word bios which refers to the human life, the physical life. Thinking biology. The mission of Jesus was to bring the Zoe life to all people who believe in Him. And this mission was also for justice and righteousness. And this would cost Him His life. So we think about the mission of Jesus and we reflect on Palm Sunday. It marks the, the beginning of the end of His final week on earth. The end of His physical life. And as, as you heard, Amanda shared earlier, we referenced the palms because of the palm branches that were waved about as Jesus and His disciples went down the road on their way to Jerusalem. Today is also called Passion Sunday because it's the beginning of Jesus' journey to the cross. The road to the cross. And passion means suffering. And we know that Jesus suffered and died on a cruel Roman cross to afford us the opportunity to have forgiveness of sin and everlasting life. The Zoe life that John writes of. It would be easy for us to sing our hosannas today to God and then come next Sunday and to proclaim He is risen. He's risen indeed. It'd be easy for us to do that and to skip all that happened in between. I believe if Bonhoeffer were here, he would say that would cheapen the grace of God because our salvation came at a tremendous cost, the life of the Son of the Most High God. So today I would like for us to journey with Jesus throughout this week. I hope that today as we leave, we will be able to reflect on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Perhaps we will have a better understanding and appreciation for Sunday. On Sunday, the first day of the week, Jesus came with His disciples through a town called Bethpage on their way to Bethany. And there are two Bethanies. One is east of the Jordan River, near where Jesus was baptized. And the other west of the Jordan. This is the one we're referring to in today's passage. Jesus would stay at the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. You remember, they were dear friends. You remember that Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead and brought him back to life. And then Jesus tells two of His disciples to go ahead of Him to a village, presumably the village of Bethpage, and there they would find a colt waiting tied to a doorpost. The colt had never been ridden, 
And it indicates that it was suitable for something holy, a consecrated task, because it had never been used for an ordinary purpose before. A king would often ride into a city on a horse during a wartime, but would ride into a city on a donkey in a time of peace. We know that Jesus would ride in on this donkey and it symbolized Him not being a warrior king or a political king, but a king who came in peace. Jesus, the King of Peace. So the disciples brought the colt back to Jesus and as you heard read, uh, he, He got upon it and they set out for Jerusalem. Mark tells us that Jesus and the disciples passed a whole lot of people on the road. Note that the road on the way to Jerusalem from Bethany would have been filled with scores of pilgrims who had come to observe the Passover that week. There was not near enough room for them to stay in Jerusalem, so they camped out in tents along the way and then would make their journey in for a Passover. Kind of reminds me of when college students wait in line down at Duke University whenever they play Chapel Hill. And there's tents everywhere. Or it kind of reminds me of how people will camp out overnight with tents waiting on an iPhone to come out, of all things. I've never done that. I usually wait until the crowds have dissipated and then you can go and get for the same money, usually. But people would have been everywhere. Bethpage was about a mile from Jerusalem, which made it within the acceptable Sabbath day journey for a Jewish person on um, the journey. And you can just imagine the volume of people Jesus passed. And at this time, there was a very zealous nationalistic sentiment among the people, and perhaps they were waiting on a new king who would come and uh, could overthrow the Romans on their behalf. Many expected that that would be Jesus. You remember after He fed the 5,000, how they tried to make him king and he knew what they were doing and took his disciples and they quickly got away. Well, so Jesus is riding along with his disciples and they shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. But what happens next might surprise you If you read through the text, Jesus arrives in Jerusalem and looks around and then he returned to Bethany with his followers. Palm Sunday was actually fairly uneventful. It's what happened next that leads us the rest of the week. Luke tells us that he wept as he saw Jerusalem, as he approached Jerusalem. But Mark tells us that he was silent as he entered the city. So Jesus and his disciples went back to Bethany that Sunday evening, and then they returned on Monday. And this time, Jesus wasted no time dealing with the injustices that he had seen in the temple courts. For far too long, the religious authorities had allowed pilgrims to be cheated as they came to purchase animals for sacrifice. These injustices and others must stop. It's uh, the feeling that uh, I imagine Jesus had this righteous indignation would be much like what you and I probably experience when we ride down Midlothian Turnpike and we see title loan businesses or payday lending businesses. People who are in the business of 
loaning money against people's car titles or their paychecks when those people can least afford it. And the interest rates are astronomical. And those uh, who do engage in that usually never can recover. It's this kind of feeling that you have. And there are other things that you see that just make your heart weep. And this is what Jesus uh, must have felt as he looked around the temple area. He continued to teach. And then when evening came, he went back to Bethany again. And then he returned on Tuesday. One writer says that Mark devotes 115 verses to the Tuesday of Jesus, the Tuesday in Holy Week, compared to just 11 for Palm Sunday. It appears as if Jesus rested on Wednesday and he's back at the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And then in Mark chapter 14, Mary anoints him with costly perfume from an alabaster jar. And this anointing drew criticism from his, some of his disciples who felt that that was wasteful and said, you know, that could have been used, uh, sold and used to help the poor, but you've done this. And Jesus, he said, no, no, no. He says, what she has done is a beautiful thing. And that anointing was uh, preparing him for his burial after he died. He saw that in much different way. And then the next morning on Thursday, Jesus sends two of His disciples into the city of Jerusalem. Much like He sent two to get the colt, then He sends two and sends them and says that when you see a man carrying a jug of water, follow him to the house that he enters, and this will be the upper room that they would meet in that evening and had the Passover supper. And when evening came, they observed the Passover together, and this began the passion of Jesus And that night he walked away from there and went to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. And then he was betrayed and taken away. And then Friday morning, some of the same voices that hailed Hosannas to him on Sunday shouted, crucify him, crucify him. The whole climate had changed. People perhaps were looking for a king, as one commentator says, would shatter, smash, and break. Jesus, however, came meek and lowly, riding on a donkey, claiming to be the Prince of Peace. His action was a contradiction to all that the people had hoped for and expected. And you know that on that Friday, Jesus was crucified on the cross, and at three o'clock in the afternoon, He said, it is finished. And with that, He bowed His head and He gave up His spirit. The mission of Jesus was to usher in this good news that He came and gave His life for all people. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me, says Jesus, to proclaim the good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and to recover sight for the blind and set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And in our remaining time, I'd like for us to focus on the mission of Jesus and how it applies to us and how we can engage in that mission as we leave from this place. You've already heard uh, Matthew talk a little bit about that. And uh, you, talk, you heard um, Philip share how we can say Hosanna to people this week and uh, give them more than a, a hello, uh, than a plain greeting. So you and I can engage in the mission of Jesus as we are going from this place today. And there are four characteristics of the mission of Jesus 
that I'd like to share with us. The first one is that the mission of Jesus was on purpose. In Luke chapter 9, verse 51, Luke tells us that Jesus resolutely turned His face toward Jerusalem. He knew what His purpose was. At that point in His ministry, He knew that it was time for Him to begin focusing on the cross. Luke says, at the time approached for Him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He faced this with resolve, with laser-like intensity. He knew what Jerusalem meant, and He knew that it was His divine purpose. I believe that God wants you and me to have purpose. He wants you and me to engage with others, sharing the Gospel with them, how God has changed your life, what God has done in your life. And it might be in your school or in your neighborhood or your workplace, wherever God opens those opportunities. But we, we all have a purpose to engage in the mission of God. It was December 1st, 1955 in Montgomery, Alabama. And this petite 42-year-old African-American woman had worked all day long at Montgomery Fields, Montgomery Fair, which was a department store where she worked as a seamstress. And she waited for the bus, and as it pulled up to the curb, she paid her fare and got on, and she sat in the section of seats right behind the white-only section. If you remember back in the day in Montgomery, Alabama, the front of the bus was reserved for white people and the back for African Americans, and then the seats right behind the white section could be sat in by anyone. Well, Rosa Parks sat down right behind the white section, and the bus continued and more people got on the bus, and soon all of the rows were filled, and some people had to stand up, and one of those happened to be a white man and was holding the bar, and the bus driver asked that the African Americans would get up and give their seats so that the white person could sit down, and nobody moved. So then the bus driver pulled the bus over and stopped and walked back into the bus and said, you all need to move. Three of them did, but Rosa Parks stayed right where she was. And the bus driver said to her, if you don't move, I'm going to have to get the police. And Rosa Parks said, you may do just that. And the driver left and found two police officers who subsequently came and arrested Rosa Parks. And at that moment, although no one knew it, the civil rights movement pivoted. And Rosa Parks would eventually become a hero, a recipient of the Presidential Medal of Freedom. And a shining example how a single act of defiance could change the world. Rosa Parks faced her, and I would say her Jerusalem, with resolve, with laser-like intensity. She never gave up. She had a purpose. And she wanted to stand up for what she believed was right. And a little over a year later, Dr. Martin Luther King and several other leaders in Montgomery climbed aboard a city bus and sat in the front. And the driver said to Dr. King, I believe you're Reverend King, right? Yes, I am. We're very glad to have you this morning, said the driver. People with purpose change the world. 
William Wilberforce was another person with laser-like intensity with a purpose that he knew was God-given. Born in England in 1759 and influenced by the well-known hymn writer John Newton who formerly was a slave ship captain and penned the hymn Amazing Grace. Wilberforce nearly single-handedly ended the British slave trade. And this would have a ripple effect throughout Europe and it was instrumental in ending slavery in the United States. Wilberforce felt that God had called him to this task, had given him a divine purpose. He wrote in his diary, quote, God Almighty has set before me two great objects, the suppression of the slave trade and the reformation of manners. The latter involved changing the moral condition of the people in his day. He wished to bring civility and self-respect into a society that he said had spiraled down into vice and misery. Although there is much work, and we would all agree, in the area of human trafficking, the world is by far a better place because William Wilberforce had a purpose. He never gave up. God gives each of us spiritual gifts to use to build up the church and to share with others around our community and throughout the world. He's given you a divine purpose. And next month after Easter, we're going to begin as a church a spiritual gifts series during our Sunday school. We'll be focusing on it during sermons as well. And we hope that all of us will have a better understanding of how God has equipped us to serve in the church and in the world. He has a purpose for every one of us. And that purpose involves others. In Mark, you already heard read how Jesus sent two disciples to get the colt. And then He sent two disciples to find the room in Jerusalem where they would have Passover. God is always using others, using you and me to accomplish His mission. There's a great little book that Max Lucado has written. It's called The Final Week of Jesus. Some of you may be familiar with it. And in there is a chapter called The Guy with the Donkey. And Max Lucado actually writes from a reference point of the guy who gave the donkey. And I've just never really thought of it in that way until reading this. And Max Lucado says, all of us have a donkey. You and I have something in our lives which if given back to God, could like the donkey, move Jesus and His story further down the road. Maybe you can sing. Many of you are already singing and doing very well. Some of you are able to hug. We've gotten lots of those since we've been here at Huguenot Road Baptist Church. Some of you might be able to program a computer. Some of you might be able to write a check. Whatever it is, every one of us has a donkey and God calls us to join Him in His work. And the mission of Jesus, third, is unlike others. It involves others, but His mission is unlike others. The present pilgrims expected a royal entry. Roman readers of Mark's Gospel would liken it to the Roman Emperor Vespasian before he besieged Jerusalem and destroyed the temple. But Jesus' procession is quite the contrary. Unlike others, it was pitiful. A motley band of Galileans, fishermen, women, beggars, hailing a Messiah, riding on a donkey, and calling out to God for deliverance. It was unlike others. It was humble. 
Jesus was a humble servant. And if there's one word that characterizes the mission of Jesus, it's humility. He humbled himself, as you heard Curtis read earlier, even to death on a cross. Paul says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. His mission was unlike any other. And last, Jesus' mission was for others. It was for others. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. I love the song, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. I hope you do too. As we sing that song in just a few moments, I hope that you will really process the words, focus in on the words. In 1707, Isaac Watts was overwhelmed with this thought as he served as a pastor and he was dealing with his medical issues, his failing health. And he wrote a, read a passage in the book of Galatians, the sixth chapter, and then he, he wrote these words, When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and poured contempt on all my pride. And the last stanza, were the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. We surrender all to Him. Our all. I pray that you will focus on the mission of Jesus this week. I pray that you enable God to use you on His mission as you seek to obey Him. Would you pray with me?